Welcome to System Mastery, where satisfaction is guaranteed or we keep your money. Today, we're going to discuss Fractured Kingdom, a game about the dream police that live inside of your head. Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. I'm afraid it's actually about dream weavers who believe they can get you through the night. No, hold on. Wait, was it actually about dream lovers? Because you don't have to dream a lot. You know what? Fine. It's about people empowered by some crazy dream dimensions and they live on a post-World War III Earth. Are you happy? Are you happy now? It's System Mastery. John, you want to do an announcement mastery before we start the show proper this week? I love doing announcement masteries where people give us money at systemmasterypodcast.com and we say whatever the hell that is they want us to say. Exactly. As long as it's within the bounds of good taste and we generally agree with the content, we'll say whatever. <laughs> yeah. And if, if the mics aren't on, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> taste goes right out the window. <laughs> so, uh... So yeah, if you want to pay us $75 to say some weird shit and not record it, yeah, that's fine. We'll we'll do that. We'll record it for you, I guess. If you I want guess. us to do like a cameo. It's like a cameo thing. Do we have to put ourselves on cameo for that, or can we just leave the, the website the way it is? Just leave everything the way it is. I would love to be on cameo, though, just next to some some like actual celebrity who charges $900 for it. And like, hey, like, you could get Dean Norris to say happy birthday to you, <laughs> or you could get me to say the sickest, filthiest shit imaginable. <laughs> I'll say some horrific nonsense. <laughs> anyway, this isn't an ad. Let's do the ad. Solo, but not alone. Yep. The third one, we talked about it uh, a little while ago. It is still going on, mm -hmm. and it is the third one, and this is a huge charity thing. Uh, it is 148 games that you get yes you get 148 solo rpgs rpgs that you don't even need to assemble a party for one player rpgs mm -hmm. you and you alone needed to go on this trip yes these quests require only you but it's w dangerous to go alone so you should because that's that's it do it because it wouldn't be fun without the danger so to uh, receive that, that goes all. That's all in support of Jasper's Game Day, which is a nonprofit in support of suicide prevention, working primarily in the TTRPG sphere to tell people struggling with their mental health that they are not a critical failure. That's right. Uh, you know, I've said it before. I'll say it every time. Uh, I've you know struggled with mental health, depression, suicidal ideation for most of my life, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and. I love being able to be a part of this and help people out, get the word out there to try and help other people who are struggling. And the great thing is you get like 148 games for 10 bucks. That's the minimum purchase. You can give more and you should. Yeah. And Real easy to find. If you just go to itch.io, you can just look up Solo But Not Alone 3. Mm -hmm. Honestly, you could just Google Solo But Not Alone 3. It'll come up. I strongly recommend that. There is a link, but it's a little complicated to say over the air. We'll just include it in the Twitter and on the website. Yep. So just go there. You know, $10, as we said, minimum, but feel free. It is a great cause. It's a wonderful cause. Like John has said, he's struggled for a long time with uh, with thought, mental health, depression, and so on. I, of course, have struggled with wanting to punch John. Of course, yeah. and I've struggled with you continually attempting to punch me. <laughs> Come back here. Come over here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... 
So this is just an incredible deal for a really good cause, and it is still going on, but only for a little bit longer. So jump on that now if you're interested, or even if you just want to help, uh, go find Solo But Not Alone 3 or Jasper's Game Day uh, on if Google. You, if you've backed this before, uh, just know these are all new. So even if you've backed the last couple of years for Solo But Not Alone, you are still getting 148 new games than mm -hmm. you would have gotten from before. So it is ridiculous value. So you'd be helping out the person who is responsible for Solo But Not Alone 3. Uh, that's Kat McDonald. She's a, uh, a uh, game designer and award-winning podcaster, which makes it crazy that she's paying us two not award-winning podcasters. Never won an award in our lives and never will. Nope. No, sir. God willing. <laughs> I got a bunch of trophies for paper airplane crafting, but not this. Nope. Goodness, no. <laughs> Boy, do I ever have a first-place trophy for... Peewee baseball as a kid. <laughs> Not for podcasting. No one's ever even considered us. The Diana Jones Award forgot our phone numbers. <laughs> <laughs> no one's heard of us and no one will. <laughs> the Ennies, they said, eh, Ken and Robin talk about stuff, though. <laughs> These guys don't talk about stuff. <laughs> Have you heard of this small indie podcast, The McElroys? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just give them all the prizes. It's easier. But enough about us this and is, our bitterness. This isn't about us and our bitterness. <laughs> this this is, is us struggling with depression. This is us helping people <laughs> by helping Cat McDonald help Jasper's Game Day through Solo But Not Alone 3. Go find it. Go support it. $10 minimum bid. It is a good cause. Yay. And now, let's get to the show. Hello and welcome back to System Mastery. I'm Jeff, your host, joined as always by John, your host, and we want to talk to you about Fractured Kingdom. That's right. Has Fractured Kingdom injured you? You may be entitled to compensation. <laughs> it's your money and you need it now. To take part in the class action lawsuit against Fractured Kingdom, call now. You may be entitled to upwards of $3. Have you or a loved one played Fractured Kingdom? You may be entitled to compensation. <laughs> uh, so, uh, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Just got back from Emerald City Comic Con. What a nice time. Yeah, we're going to be at uh, Chicago for C2E2 in just about a month. Yep, we'll be there. Uh, I think our, our official date that we're going to be working when we're there is April 1st. Yeah. That's not a joke. We are actually doing an April Fool's Day event. No jokes. Yes. We will do no jokes. There will be no <laughs> jokes. It's a deadly serious, sober event in which we ask the audience questions, and if any of them even smile, they are gently escorted from the room, <laughs> unless they fight back. Uh, ushered firmly, but gently, mm -hmm. out. Yes. So if you come, make sure to not make eye contact and not crack a smile. That's Both right. Both of those things infuriate us. If there's anything I hate more than anything else, it's people that smile near me. <laughs> so... So, yeah, it was a really nice time, though. Uh, Emerald City Comic Con was great. Uh, I'm used to the San Diego Comic Con, which is a giant garbage sprawl of packed-in, dense bodies just sitting down wherever they happen to be like assholes. Oh, God. I mean, the best thing about this is the Seattle Convention Center goes Vertical. up oh. instead of just sprawling out into the fucking, like, like horizon. It's like three blocks worth of fucking convention center It, it is, yeah. The notion of going to the small artist panel at the San Diego Comic-Con, if you're over at the other side, is, like, daunting. You're like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> that's like a thing a hobbit would do. I'm not, that's not what I would do. Uh, I'll send my dark riders over there instead. 
I'll send my man. <laughs> so, but it was a really nice convention. We had a fun time in Seattle. We got to hang out with some cool people. Yep, good and times. The the, uh, the show was our first time running that version of that show, and that was a blast doing the the RPG quiz show and giving away a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, lots of great times happening there. Mm-hmm. So you know, hopefully we will see anyone who's going to Chicago for C two E two. Yes, indeed. Please come out and see us. And this time uh, we'll be in James's hometown, so he'll do a much better job of organizing the the group. The, the... he'll do a much better job because he sucked on this panel. <laughs> I just met he. Do, he he was awful. I know he was great. I'm just saying he every would... time he opened his mouth, just the worst. <laughs> that wizard segment he did was fantastic. <laughs> All I'm saying is he'll he'll do it. He, he knows every place in Chicago that's good for hosting a uh, a meet and greet. So that part's going to go really well. I'm looking forward to that and his expertise. Yeah, and if it doesn't go well, that's on James. It'll be his fault. That's right. Hmm. <laughs> But it will, because he's blameless and perfect. <laughs> Pronounces his own last name wrong, but in all other respects. <laughs> in every other way. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to, uh, let's get to the, uh, let's get to the meat of the show for the first time ever. Why don't we talk about Fractured Kingdom? Sure thing. This is a 2013 RPG uh, mm-hmm. Kickstarter. That's right. And... <laughs> Written, I mean, written the by first a fellow named T. Dave Silva. Yeah, good old Tommy Dave. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I noticed going through this is how much this feels like a 2000 to 2003 game. My goodness, you, you don't say. It has this really. <sighs> there's this level of like edgy cynicism and. The way that the art is presented, it's just, I don't know how to really put it into words, but reading through this before I saw what the copyright date was, I was like, this has to be like 2001. Like, it has to be. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. The sketchy black and white art that features a lot of anarcho-punk type situations. Like, there's definitely a rocker girl in here wearing tape over her nipples and a bikini. Yeah. Uh, it, it's the, the, the it's pretty standard. It looks very much like it would have come out of the... Second wave of White Wolf copycats. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's really what I think those early 2000s things yes. are going for is that, oh, I grew up playing, you know, White Wolf for the last five or six years. I'm going to write my own game. Mm-hmm. Whereas I guess this is I grew up playing those games from 2000 and now I'm going to write <laughs> my own. Yeah. Which is a very weird secondhand function of that might be i mean that certainly is the feeling you get from reading it Uh, art direction is one thing but also i I would say uh layout and and the way the the book is designed where you've got you've got your four factions that may or may not like each other very much they aren't even really factions on this one they're just more like power sources i mean that's the thing is this doesn't remind me of white wolf in the way that you know, a lot of White Wolf ripoffs do. No, it reminds me of uh, Angel or Cult, that kind of, more more, yes. more something like that. Which, again, we're talking about how this feels like a, a, a derivative of a derivative of White Wolf. Yeah, it's, it's these many layers removed, and it's just sort of interesting that, you know, if you weren't someone that does shit like we do in reading an ass load of these books, you might not really care about that well yeah imagine trying to tell just about anybody else oh it kind of reminds me of engel (laughs) yeah so this book from 2013 feels like a 2001 book you've also never heard of (laughs) like all right well that's great (laughs) yeah we're getting a little sommelier-ish in our in our descriptions here uh the the super boilerplate pitch is that this is set in the year like 2203 it is after what is now known as the great war real rip off world war one by the way uh (laughs) 
That's the Great War. You ain't great. This you ain't the War of Magellan. You ain't great. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's such a petty point. No, it's it's a rip. It's a it's set after a massive world war that some that started sometime in the late 2020s. Uh, pretty much destroyed the world, uh, reset everything. Now there's a bunch of different nations from what there used to be, and uh, uh, it's a hyper capitalist society where there are super rich people and super poor people and. And uh, oh, so, so it's society. It's society, yeah. But they, but it's supposed to seem like a, a, a more extreme or heightened version of that. Which is the weird thing to me is this being set two hundred years in the future, and yet they're like, oh, and there was a big war, and then there was the Great Purge, where a bunch of religious people tried to get rid of knowledge. So we kind of had a little dark age, and then came out of it, and now two hundred years in the future is like barely past what we have now maybe yes yeah. so it's just like the cow- it feels like a weird thing to do to be like i'm gonna set this 200 years in the future oh what does the future feel like about five years in the future yeah it's great de- it definitely has that vibe where i would say there are a few things that are significantly more advanced like you get these occasional the book doesn't have a lot of room it kind of barrels ahead and it has a huge amount of character options built into it that take up a ton of the space but occasionally you get these little drops, like how there's a suborbital co- colony that's ha- hanging just above, like, Indonesia. And then also there's a moon base you can go to if you're rich, and it's just a rich people paradise with parties being held there. Except so every single thing they talk about in the book is like, anyway, you'll be living in a city, and in the city, you drive around, you go to your shitty job, everything is exactly the same as it is modern day. Yeah. Well, except they- your refrigerator talks to you slightly more. Yeah, I think the basic life of an ordinary person hasn't changed much, but for, for, uh, except for in a couple of key ways. Notably, uh, inter- or intercontinental travel has become a lot cheaper yeah. because they've mastered suborbital launch technology where they'll kind of put you on a, a rocket airliner that takes you out of atmosphere and brings you back in. So it can accelerate out of atmosphere without killing you, yeah. and then and then land. So you can go anywhere fast for cheap. That's that's something. But can you really? Because the world has been broken down into like five major nation states that don't like each other. Exactly. They just sort of went. All right. Well, what if every continent was its own thing now? Yeah. So you've they... got like, uh, we have Middle East, the country, and America. The North and South, the country. Yeah, they kind of did the same thing that a lot of people do when they're smashing their their, their toys together. They're like, oh, China and, Ru- China and Russia are one big country now. The Eastern Europe is all one big country again. The America, all the Americas are one big country. Yeah, it's, it's just it's a pretty st- it's pretty regular if you read a lot of a lot of post war uh, fiction about the future. Yeah, which again doesn't. There's nothing here that really hooks me with that, though, because they're like, hey, the U.S. just like took over Canada and Mexico, and now it's just one big country. I go, okay, does that matter? No, it doesn't. (laughs) Nope, not really. Does that change anything? Should I know anything about that? No. Yeah. And then you're wondering why I mentioned dreams so much in the intro. That is the power source for what you're playing as in this game. Certain people will occasionally become elucidated. And that's when they become a lucid, which is a person who has had direct access or walked into uh, the the realm beyond the bound world of dreams. Yeah, there is uh, the unbound world, which is the waking world. And then there are the outer realms, Mm -hmm. which are sort of all of the goofy, collective, unconscious dream worlds. Yes. There are four realms in them, and... they're called baronies? Oh, no. Oh, baronies are something different. Sorry. <laughs> yes, they are. Oh, that's right. These baronies. are just realms. These are just realms. So, in the realms, you basically 
as a person, you might touch one of them. And like, normally when sleeping, you'll sort of touch these realms anyway. But someone who is a lucid person has dived into it and it has touched them and they have sort of awoken to the realization that this isn't just like neurons firing, but an actual realm. Yes, it's a place you can go and a power source you can use and harness. But uh, no one knows how the process works yet. And it has nothing to do with the fact that it's 200 years in the future. That is probably the weirdest thing to me in this is is they never mention like I kept waiting for. During the Great War, there was a snap when some kind of bomb went off or some chemical agent was deployed or something. You would assume it would be like a rifts thing where it's like, oh, there was a big exchange of nuclear weapons and all this death ripped open a hole in reality. And you're like, no, it's just, I guess, always been that way, but it's 200 years in the future now. So it is an alternate Earth. It's not the 200 years in the future of this Earth. It's the 200 years into the future of a different Earth where sometimes people had dream powers. I guess. I mean, we don't know. It never explains it. And it do- it doesn't ever get into, like, normally when you have something like that, it's like, oh, superpowers exist here, but we're set in whatever year, and I'll give you a timeline of, like, oh, this war was changed because this superpowered person did a thing. But here, it's like, ah, there are all these people with weird, like, superpowers based on dreams. They affected nothing. Anyway, it's 200 years later, and they're still around, I guess. Yeah, and now they're being hunted mostly by other people who also have those powers. Uh, and occasionally weird. by like demons that get mentioned, but that I didn't see flesh. Yeah. So there's, it's very strange. It is a strange setting. My guess is that there's a lot more here, but it's not in the core book necessarily. Yeah. I mean, if you go to, you know, normally we have our rule of not doing any research, but I just wanted to see if they had put out anything more for this. Mm-hmm. And the actual website for this company, uh, House Doc, uh, has a ton of stuff on their website, but it's mostly like little short stories and right. things like that. And so there's a lot there if you wanted to kind of delve into the world. But even then, we get a lot of little short stories about one of the main like PC characters in here, Margaret. Yes. But even then, I'm like, oh, it's just some grandma. Does it have anything to do with the fact that it's 200 years in the future? No, nothing. No, she hangs out with a group of like four other lucids. They make up their own little tribe, and so we get some stories about them and how they're kind of mean to each other from time to time, but damn it, they're a family. But it never does quite go into, how, like, why they're together, what what it is that's chasing them. Like, it's it, it just, there's a lot of missing questions. Yeah, of the, like, I think four uh, or five, five main, like, PC yeah. things they have here, only one of them really seems to engage with this setting in that one of them is like, Oh, there was a fucked up area of the planet now that are the wastes. Yes. And those are like super wild, untamed areas that are actual like Mad Max type zones. And one of them comes from there. And so has some interaction with the fact that the world isn't just, you know, the year 2013. Yeah. There's also, I, yeah, yeah, there's five of them. There's Grigori, uh, Layla, Chaz, Nico, and Margaret. Nice. Yeah. Hey. Nice. Thanks. I'm gonna get. I get a sticker. I get a banana sticker. I'm putting that right on the fridge. Yeah. Uh, and each one of them represents some different uh, a- aspects of the way you can be powerful in this game. Uh, Nico, for example, is verdant, and he's basically a gal from Final Fantasy VI. Yeah. I mean, um, we can get, get into, into the it. realms, but let's get into the four realms because I found these both interesting and infuriating because they're supposed to represent the four like sources of dream power, and they are scary stuff, 
dead stuff, bubbles of pure dream, and outside. Yeah, well, the problem nature. is, it's like, oh, what are your dream powers? Well, one of them is dream, and you're like, whoa, hold on. Sl- slow down. Slumber. And then when they describe slumber, it's like, oh, it's an infinite ocean of people who are having dreams and their bubbles in the ocean. And at the bottom of the ocean, there's like a big thing that wants to grab them and drag them there's out of There's the ocean under the ocean. Yeah. That's like the evil ocean. You get dragged down there. It's like the sleep hell. And then at the top, there's like enlightenment part of the, the surface is enlightenment. So everyone's bubbling towards enlightenment unless they're not. Then they're sinking towards doom. And that one represents like chaos magic, kind of, but it's confusing. I mean... Slumber as a realm is basically the raw potential realm because all of the other ones have like very defined things that they are about where slumber is just sort of the, I don't know, man, it's all protean and weird. Yeah. Verdant is raw nature, uh, very much more about like mountains and forests and valleys and oceans. And they really don't want you to, they want you to, they really want you to know, and they keep reinforcing it throughout the powers and so on that like, Public parks and like rats living in a city and stuff don't count. That's no, not are, verdant. The verdant realm is the wild, untamed places of the world. Yes. So a park that is a maintained thing in a city is not a wild place. Yeah. Which I found again interesting, but excru- but irritating because I was like, no, it is though. That's the the fact that humans think they have taken over the planet is the illusion of control that they've granted themselves over nature, which will be laughing at their moldering bones in a few million years. Yes, but for now, they have <laughs> taken control no, of No, they it. just think they have. They are a blip. No, no the- but you see, they have for the blip they are there. That's the difference. <laughs> no, I disagree. We think we have control over parks and, and cities and so on, but they fill up with animals that just adapt and live there anyway. But anyway, and then you've got the other two, which are scary stuff and dead stuff. Yeah, the dark, which is, I mean, it makes sense. It's nightmares. That's yes, the it's nightmare It's the nightmare realm. As opposed to the, I guess, not nightmare realms that is slumber. That's when you're dreaming, but it's not nightmares, and it's not about nature, and it's not about graves. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like I said, slumber is pure weird potential. Well, my pro- I'll tell you why I'm being so grumpy about this, and it's because these four things don't represent any of my dreams in any ways. So when I'm like, oh, I want to, it's a, pe- a place where I'm powered by my dreams. My dreams are usually anxiety stuff about like falling or not being able to catch up to my friends or being left behind or something. I guess those are kind of dark. They're like nightmares, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. That's the, but, but that's all. And nightmares is more like, oh, demons and darkness stalk the earth and so on. I mean, the weird thing for each of them is they each have a thing that they're sort of good at. Yes. And some of them make sense. So like the verdant realm is very good at, Nature, but also like raw physical ability. So, yeah. you know, like in like a wild beast, you can be strong and fast and have heightened senses and things like that. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. The dark is all about fear and like being able to move in shadows. Makes sense. But also about like secrets and things we try to hide. Yeah. All right. And slumber is all about like raw potential and forming chaos into what we imagine all right great but the grave is just like what's this dead things how is dead things about dreaming that's the one realm where i'm like the fuck are you talking about (laughs) yeah i mean we're gonna have our individual disagreements about each one of the realms i guess but that that is fair yeah dead things i guess because you're supposed to but the problem is it's dead things but it's supposed to the powers it gives you is like oh you become creepy you're able to like 
evade people who are looking for you. Uh, people don't want to find you. They'll get out of your way because you represent finality in the grave. The problem is, it, it's the exact same thing they just said about the dark. Yes. Because they're like, ooh, grave people are creepy. Yeah, you already said that about the dark. Oh, but people will avoid, avoid you. Yeah, you already said that about the dark. Yeah, these those two should have been combined. I, I don't know what I would have replaced them with. I do note that the dark is also about sex dreams. For, I, I'm guessing because it's got to do with secrets or something. Nope. Um, Why would it be about sex When dreams? you look at the loci or the locuses of places in which dark dreams occur... Uh, the most common ones are terrifying places or the locations where passionate sex is happening. Yeah, because it's the little death. I know. I get it. I understand what orgasms are, are, are called in French. Uh, and that's does, the never, grave, not the dark. Oh, is it? I thought yes. it was. Okay. Then then it's just that joke. Never yes, mind. Yes, it is. All right. I'm sorry. I had that backwards. Yep. Yeah. Um, and the other thing about the grave is it's supposed to be not just dead things, but like dead places or ideas. So it's supposed to be memories things that people have forgotten you know like secrets <laughs> yeah no, again I... the dark and the grave are almost the exact same fucking thing except one has dead things more yeah yeah there's a couple times where the where the grave one feels like it was it, it, they didn't communicate it well to themselves or to their artists like the leader of the grave of the uh of the the group that's most associated with the grave faction is baron samdi like, it just is. And then it says, like, yeah, most people would think of him as, like, a, a bald, fat guy with a skeleton painted on him wearing a top hat with a ring of skulls around it. But he's moved on from that. He's a power he's a power suit guy carrying around a briefcase and deciding the fate of millions. And then the art next to him is a bald, fat guy with a skeleton painted on him and a hat, top hat with a ring of skulls around it. Yes, indeed. <laughs> like, I guess maybe the artist only read, like, the first par part of that paragraph. And then the editors were just like, yeah, good enough. Well, <laughs> but uh anyway yeah grave is confusing I, I i honestly all four of them kind of feel a little half formed i i they're they're intriguing but they don't seem to add up to the gamut of dreams to me no the i mean there are a couple problems i have one grave and dark are basically the exact same thing but with a slightly different flavor mm -hmm. and slumbering shouldn't be a category because it's like you get your powers from dreams and then if you're slumbering, you get your powers from, I guess, super dreams. <laughs> yeah. Like, but they're all dream powers. It's just yours is the dreamiest dream. Yeah. And and like I was saying, Verdant should be like just non-humanity stuff. Just the world around you as opposed to the world of man. Because uh, the notion that it just doesn't work in cities feels silly. Because that leaves you with a big hole that covers what, all right, what about all the urban vegetation and urban animals and so on that are that are quickly becoming the, the majority of the biomass on Earth anyway. I mean, the, the thing for me that I would argue is less about parks and more be like, okay, what about a vacant lot that has become overgrown? Yeah. That's been taken back by nature. Yeah, sure. What about just the toilet in my last apartment where a tree root kept growing into it that was the size of a fucking thumb and I had to have the thing drilled out like once every year? I couldn't win that. I hadn't mastered nature. That nature had taken over my pipes. Nature keeps taking over my pipes. <laughs> it's an illusion of control. <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, yeah, we spent way too much time on this so far. Um, there's so many other things we really have to get into. Uh, in this game, you get a number of points. F in uh, You get three sets of points for character creation. Those points are for your attributes, for your lucidness, and for general XP, you get an amount of those equivalent to uh, that's set by tier because there's a beginning, a middle, and an advanced level of being a lucid. Yep. 
And it's just, you know, how experienced are you? How long yeah. have you been elucidated? Exactly. And uh, it's got a really weird and interesting attribute system. All your attributes, you got 10 of them. They all start at two. Uh, those are, there are five each for physical and mental, and they're very hard to keep your, your head wrapped around, so I've just got them open on, on a sheet here somewhere. Yeah, I got it. It's fine. Yeah, you go right ahead. And again, these are some where you're like, huh, that feels like that overlaps a lot, but you have your history, uh, which is sort of your background and general, like, character experiences, so rather than being something that's like, oh, how smart are you or fast are you? It's like, this represents how much do you retain from what's happened to you during your life. Yeah. It so it's an interesting stat to have. Yeah, it represents your experiences. It's interesting. Then you got strength, constitution, and dexterity, which are all relatively straightforward. Yes, indeed. Uh, and then sense, which is kind of your sensorium. It controls, it, it's basically perception. Yeah, although perception is just a skill here instead of yes, that. Perception is a skill, and sense is something that... It, but but perception is a sense skill. It is? Uh, th that's largely because... Well, we'll explain the game's mechanical structure in just a second. Yeah. It, the, the, uh, with a quick aside real quick here to point out that the layout of this book is such that you've read about 175 pages of it before it explains what any of this shit means. Oh, yeah. No, you... God, you get a lot of character creation stuff thrown at you. And by a lot, I mean like all of it, like a hundred pages worth of just stuff, but you don't know what any of it does. And then you're like, oh, and now here's the mechanics so you can figure it out and go back and read those hundred pages again. Yes, exactly. But uh, you get your, uh, your sort of mental ones, which are, you have a mental stat in addition to an intelligence and a wisdom stat. Yeah. Uh, you also get a fortune stat, which is. Uh, your luck, but also your ability to buy stuff. So fortune in both senses of the word. Yes, it, co it, it constitutes purchasing power as well as luck. Yeah, it's very weird. Uh, and then finally, expression, which is kind of your artistic outward presentation of, of how you e either show yourself or that which you create to the world. Yeah, so both charisma as well as artistic talent. Fashion sense. Yeah, it's, all yeah. that is an expression. Yeah. So those 10 stats all start at two, which is at the middle range of below human average. Yeah, they give you a chart where it's like, oh, a one to three is kind of like, you know, below average. Four to six will be what most people have. Mm -hmm. And then so on and so on. Uh, and it gives you like a one in 10 people will have a seven to nine in a stat and upwards from there. Yes, yes. It, it's... Uh, it, but you get points in each one of those. Those attributes are like categories. When you buy the next three ranks of things you can buy, you can spend the points that were from that were in the attribute listing. So, for example, if you're making a beginner rank lucid, you'll get 15 points to spend on each one of those 10 attributes, which can be spent on the attribute itself yeah, or it's... skills, abilities, or boons that are connected to that attribute. Yeah, because they are all considered a tree so you don't just have the like strength you have a strength tree yes and so in the strength tree is the attribute strength mm -hmm. but also any skill that uses strength any ability that uses strength any boon based on that and then any specialties of skills and any foci of abilities yes this game 
breaks down a lot of stuff. So before we get into abilities and and skills and, and all that, I just want to explain the way that this game, how you assemble a die pool and roll it. Uh, yeah, which again, normally you would not get into way later. Yeah, but so I don't want to. I don't want to be the book. Yeah. <laughs> so here's how this works: you can have up to six different factors contributing to any given skill roll. All you five. have to do, uh, oh, it's up to five. You start. You sit. You, that's right. You start with a single d6, and you can add up to five more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you you do this by assembling all of these things we were mentioning uh, between attributes, skills, specialties, abilities, foci, uh, sometimes boons. Sometimes other things, sometimes boons will grant you other things you can roll as well. You, you, if they're applicable, you can roll them and you can make an argument for if they're applicable. For like, for example, there's a, there's a description in the book of uh, one of the main, of the characters, their PCs shooting a bad guy because he's threatening a child and he adds his orphan background dots to the role because he pers- he assumes that the child is, oh, he can see his dead parents on the ground. Yeah, he knows that so, this kid has just lost his parents. Yeah, and so, so he's he, like, he's like, all right. I have an orphan background. This kid's an orphan. I want to avenge him. Let me use this. Yeah. And so that that's the range at which you're supposed to argue. For each one that you you either obviously get to include or successfully argue you should get to include, you get to add the static value rank at which you have that thing that I believe they're collectively called characteristics uh, and also a D6 until you hit a maximum of 6D6. Now, for each... One of these that are unique, you get a D6. Mm-hmm. So the attribute, skill, specialty, ability, focus. Right. So you can but, have up to 66. But you get the 1D6 base, one from each of those, but you can add extra. So if I have two skills that would work with something, yeah. I can use both of them, but I only get a D6 from one of them. Yeah. So I could say, like, oh, I'll use my attribute and these two skills. I get, instead of 4D6... I'll get 3d6, but I still add the static value of both of those skills into the total. And then there is a difficulty chart that ranges from 5 for super easy up into the 50s for uh, for incredibly difficult to accomplish. Yeah. Now, this makes it so that there is a weird need for certain things if you want to make a specific type of character. Now, normally, if I'm in a game and I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm making like a rogue type, and I want to be really good at stealth. So most games, you'd go, all right, I put as many points as I can into stealth. Mm-hmm. Some games might let you have a spell sh- specialty. So you'd be like, ooh, I'll put points into stealth and then maybe like urban environment for my specialty. But in this, you're like, all right, well, I need to put some points into stealth, but it's far more important for me to get a specialty and an ability and a focus that all deal in stealth than it is for me to put more points in stealth. Yeah, because you need all those dice. You, you need the dice more than you need the static value. Because every time you add a die, you're adding anywhere between one and six, where if you just add another point to something, you're adding one point. Um, and it, I think the specialty thing is really goofy because... This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This game has a thing where you can spend two points to get a characteristic you don't have. So let's say I have stealth. I don't have any specialties. Mm -hmm. I can spend two points 
to get a specialty in urban stealth, but I have a zero in it, but I can add it for the die. Yeah. Which at that point you're like, oh, if all I care about is stealthing, literally I should never put more points into it. I should just go, oh, I put two into urban for the specialty so I can unlock the die, Mm -hmm. but any more points I'd spend would be better spent in just stealth than in the specialty yeah. because it's not giving me anything more now. And also because it's more broadly applicable. You can yes. use your urban stealth skill, which is which a specialty at zero, when to get the extra die if you're hiding in an urban environment, but regular points being put into stealth can be used to hide anywhere, so they're, they're more applicable. Uh, weirdly, while you're allowed to do that with skills and their specialties, you can be like, oh, I'll put... I, I, you can do things like I'll put a zero into... Uh, I don't know, unarmed combat, but then I'll put a specialty unarmed combat Aikido six. You can do that. No, you can't. Oh, I'm sorry. Backward. I have this backwards. You can do, you can do, you can have your skills Skill- go above your attributes. Yeah. Skills have no limit. Skills you can have, have no a, limit. Your focus, a, your specialties have no limit. Yeah. You, nope. Your specialties are limited by your skills. Right. Okay. So here, abilities here we go. are limited by attributes. Attributes are whatever. Yes. So, you know, if I have a four in strength, great. If I have, a skill in strength, I can have that be as much as I want. So if mm-hmm. my strength is four, I can have a 20 skill in it. It doesn't matter. Yes. Specialties only limited by the skill that it is a specialty in. Yes. But abilities, your supernatural or sometimes mundane abilities, which aren't skills, those are limited by the attribute. Yes. So I can only have, if I have a strength of four and I have a strength ability, I can have up to four in that ability. And if I have a focus in that ability, I can have only up to that ability. Yeah. Baby. (laughs) (laughs) What this means is that when you're building your character, uh, I'm, I got to tell you, I'm really glad we made our characters in advance for this one. Yes. Not le- not least because it takes like 90 minutes to make a character in this game. Oh, my God. Um, the character creation process in this is tedious. But here's here's why. You get a set number of points for each one of these attributes and then any characteristic related to that attribute. And then the way the book is laid out, you just get these giant blocks, skills. All of them in alphabetical order. Abilities. All of them in alphabetical order with their foci listed underneath each one. Again, in alphabetical order. Another thing called boons that we'll get into in just a second. Uh, First, they're just listed by boon chains, but it's not useful because it doesn't list any prerequisites or page numbers or anything. Or even what that thing does. Or what it does. And then, giant list of boons in alphabetical order. Um, God, this book, if they had just put in one page of like, here are the skills in attribute thing where it's just like the name of them and what attribute they're under and put them in attribute order before you got to the alphabetical thing i'd be like oh thank christ yeah thank i'd you like for it a doing lot more that. a couple more pages and i would like this a lot more because as, as it happens when you make your character you're like all right i got 15 points in strength first i gotta decide how much i want to put in strength but i probably shouldn't do that until after i've gone through the skills found every skill that's related to strength and considered each and every one of them, and then maybe written them down if they're if I was interested in them or not if I haven't. But then, of course, I have to go through the entire skill list. Yes, to find all the strength ones. Then go through abilities, do that again. Then go through boons, do all the ones that find strength so it can show you the ability prerequisites you'd need to unlock that one. Then go back up to abilities and be like, okay, well, I guess if I want that, then I need this. And, and, and then finally, you decide how much of each one of those points you like to spend on each one of those things until you're done with just strength. Congratulations, yeah. you've done one-tenth of the attributes. Yeah. Pick another one and do it again. You're like, all right, now dexterity. Time to read all of the skills and all of the abilities again. Yeah. God damn it. 
Yeah, I, I, I cannot brook this layout. This layout is killing me. It it needs an index real bad. It just needs the page breakdown right pages. before yeah. to go, here's the breakdown with just the names and what they're associated with. That's it. Just an easy access couple pages would have made character creation a thousand times easier than what it ends up being. Yeah. I also find it funny when they have a lot of the skills will some of them just won't have a specialty listed at all. Like astronomy, for example. There's no they didn't bother with specialties for it. They just didn't think of any. Which means if you want to be an astronomer, you either have to make up your own specialties or you're never going to be as good at that skill as you will be at other skills that have specialties. Because you won't get the extra die. Oh yeah. And um, you can make up yeah, you whatever make them you up. want. You can do whatever you want. Uh but I find it funny when they make them up and they're like useless in application in a game where you're looking at like Oh, jumping. And with the specialty, the standing long jump. And I'm like, what? I guess in a situation where you really need to jump far, but you can't do a running start. And you know, and it has I mean, to be the, a set number of meters you can jump. It's weird because the two specialties they list for jumping are standing long jump or clearing rooftops. <laughs> I'm like, all right, what if, what if my jump specialty is in the running jump? Is that one? Because I'm going to tell you right now, Almost all of them are going to be a running jump. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm clearing a rooftop, that's a running jump. Yeah. Can I take that as a specialty? So each, by the way, each attribute also lists a cut. Like when you're reading, there's a section that defines each attribute and then gives them an icon, which is like a, a, a bunch of different gears that are very similar looking. Uh, each, each attribute is also associated with this particular martial art. Um, and then each martial art is broken down into a group of martial arts that are like real martial arts, but they don't tell you, they don't do anything different until you get to the boons. So when you're building your character, you're like, well, I, I did focus heavily in, I don't know, wisdom. So I guess that makes me good at the soft style of martial arts, which I think is like Aikido, you know, jujitsu, stuff like where you're, it's, it's locks and, and using your opponent's strength against them. Sure. That's great. How is it different from Southern style, which you're good at if you have mental really high? Yeah, there's so much martial arts shit in here, and I gotta tell you, given that I didn't make a character that used it, every time I looked at it, it was like, oh, these are all exactly the same, and the only reason I don't know how it changes in boons is because there are five million boons. Yes. And you all have no of idea them... how many. There are third edition exalted charms number of boons in here. Oh, yeah. It's... It is an exalted charm level number of boons, but none of them are broken down by chains. They give you the chains beforehand and go like, oh, if what you were trying to get to was like, oh, I want the final boon of like Reaper's presence. It'll tell you, well, you'll need deadly strike, deadly might, grave infusion, and then you can get Reaper's presence. Mm -hmm. But I have to look all of those up by themselves in the alphabetical list to find out what the prerequisites are for that. And then I need to go get those. And then I need to find out what that is. By the way, we may not have given you a, a very clear de definition as to why there are skills and abilities. Because right now, it kinda, I think it, it probably sounds like they're just more skills. They do provide a rank and a die. So they do work just like skills. Some of them also do other stuff that's slightly supernatural to help separate you out from being a mundane, a regular person. Yeah, so... You know, an ability is generally something that isn't a thing you would know. Yes. Because skills are like, oh, this is something you could train. But for an ability, that can be something like, for the mundane, wealth or contacts. Yeah. Things like that, where you're like, oh, it's not a thing you trained, you just have these things. Yeah. And for supernatural stuff, you can have things that are just like, oh, I have 
like endurance that is supernatural so i'm just tougher than i should be yeah they won't sound supernatural in a lot of cases sometimes they will no you might have like esp yeah some of them sound supernatural but other ones sound like tough or endurance which are two different abilities that do two different things yeah i can have iron will or extra ego all right cool yeah uh so tough works like you'd think it would it sounds like a skill that you can apply to a defense role you're right you can apply your rank plus a die to a defense role and all defenses that's applicable that I think not including si- uh, surprise attacks or something. Um, and then you can specialize in it even. You can get even more tough just so you can buy the extra die and the extra ranks. But it also does something else because it's a supernatural ability. It increases your health stat. Yeah, the <laughs> the tough is interesting because it's tough is for defense mm-hmm. and endurance is for health. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> But also a lot of the sort of supernatural things you could get are usually limited by the realm you are. Because yeah. you pick a realm when you make your character. So if I want to be tough, I have to be a grave slumber or verdant uh, lucid because dark lucids aren't tough, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but endurance is just a supernatural ability open to anyone. Yes. So you can have more health, you just can't be better at defending yourself. Yeah, it's they did a neat job of ensuring that almost all of the abilities that are open to one uh, one of the dream fields is open to at least one other. So most of them are like, oh, this one's open to slumber and verdant, or this one's open to grave and slumber. Most of them are three. They usually yeah. exclude one of them. Yes, yeah. And then the foci for it, is just sort of a specialty for an ability. Yes. So if I have, like, let's say the forgettable uh, ability, Mm -hmm. which means I can use this in addition to stealth. So if I'm making a stealth roll, I'm also forgettable, so I can add this very easily to stealth. Yeah. Great. But if you drill down, then certain ones, only grave, dark, and verdant, uh, loca- uh, <laughs> lucids uh, can yes. be forgettable uh-huh. but then each of the foci will then drill it down to one of two of those instead of one of three of those yes lucid by the way is the name of an ability as well Luc- you start with it at two automatically to represent the fact that you are in fact a lucid it represents just sheer puissance in your power field, of being lucid your, your power of being lucid in general with a bunch of drill downs which the, fo- the foci underneath lucid include verdant lucid or uh grave lucid and so on where you're just really good at being the kind of lucid you are yes now as a starting character everyone gets their lucid at two then you get two foci at zero Mm -hmm. which is lucid sight and realm sense yes so lucid sight is you can tell other lucids because you are one yes and it takes one to know one Uh uh-huh uh-huh right and realm sense is basically you can tell if someone has opened a gateway or a bridge to one of the outer realms. Just assume that there's gateways and bridges and stuff to the outer realms. We probably won't get to it. We have a lot more to talk about. Yeah. The the story of this game is very, very light. Uh, so we talked about boons. Boons do not add to the, unless they specifically say they do, they generally don't add to the die pools you're creating. Instead, they give you new abilities. Yeah, some will be like, oh, here's a way in which you can use these characteristics you already have to do something new, some of them will allow you to do certain things like, oh, normally you aren't allowed to use like 
this one characteristic for defense, but now you can. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I have control over the dark, so now I can use stealth for defense because I'm obscuring myself. Something like that. Yeah. Sometimes they'll let you roll so your like the die that's associated with an ability twice. Like one of them, there's a defense uh, one that lets you roll your intuition die that you contributed to a combat pool twice and take the higher result. Yeah. Other ones will just let you pay energy, which is this game's kind of mana mechanic, in exchange for setting some of your dice to six, because it's a D6-based game. Yeah, we should... God, that that brings me to energy. Uh Uh-huh. So, as a character, you have three derived stats. Mm -hmm. You have health, which is exactly what it sounds like. Uh Uh-huh. You have ego, which is health for your brain. Yep. And you have energy. And energy is any time a character forms one of these die pools. Yes. You might be thinking, well, golly, I should just be rolling 6d6 every single time I do anything. And yeah, probably. But every ability or skill or anything, any characteristic you add to a roll costs an extra energy to do. Mm Mm-hmm. So if I get my, I add five characteristics and get six dice, that's going to cost me five energy out of my pool. Yes. And here's your pool is going to be about 100 to 110. Yes. Which again, that means you can probably do your biggest attacks like 20 times a day. I don't remember how energy refreshes. I know that the health tracks refresh very slowly. So uh, also all of your boons cost energy. Yes. So it might be free like you might just have a thing that's like oh this is just because it lets you use a characteristic a certain way you don't have to use anything some of them if it's like oh i'm doing a curse on a person this is going to take 25 energy in addition to whatever i pay for dice Uh uh-huh but after combat is done everyone has a recovery stat that's right yeah so you will recover an amount of health ego and energy equal to your fortune attribute plus your mental attribute. Mm -hmm. So you take those two, and then once combat ends, you get that much back. So if you had like a five in each, you'd get 10 health, 10 energy, 10 ego. Yeah. Uh, You also heal a number of wounds, which is different from health. That's a different thing. Every time you lose health, you have a chance to lose. No, it's every time you lose. If you lose health greater in a greater amount then your constitution attribute, I believe. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. You can get a wound. A wound. And a wound is a check mark that goes adjacent to the relevant either. To an attribute. An attribute. Relevant attribute. You choose between any physical or any mental based on whether it was a physical or a mental attack. So you could get, and you get that first. Although you can then spill over two mental ones, even if it's physical. Yeah. If all your physical ones are checked. Yes. Yeah. And and if you have a check on a, on a, a, a track, it increases the difficulty of doing actions from th- that are related to that track in any way. And you take ego damage for doing it, because yes. it's just hard for you to get through the pain. Uh-huh. Now, you get a number of wounds equal to half your constitution rounded up. Yes. Heals at the end of every combat as well. Mm-hmm. Now, in order to stop people from just doing one round of combat and going to full in, like, five minutes, you can only heal damage you've taken within that combat yes so you can't be like oh i took you know 20 health damage i heal 10 hey spar with me real quick do no damage and i'll get another 10 back yes <sighs> you also have wounds that recover at the end of every week that's the way you get them back outside of combat 
At the end of every week, you get to make, I think it's a role you get to make. It's a recovery thing that will recover some of your wounds again, or, or remove some of the wounds assigned to your, your attributes. Your health you get and wounds get back harder the longer, the more you have. So like, oh, the first one, like your first wound heals in a week. Then your second wound heals in two weeks after that. Yes. And then three weeks after that, and so on. I think it's days, but it'll be like, uh, you heal... I only know it's weeks because my bonus content character has a regeneration man mechanic that changes it from weeks to days. Yes, your health regenerates in days. <laughs> so it'll so be like... wounds for the other one, yeah. Yeah, you'll be like, oh, I healed five health in a day, and then I'll heal another five health in two more days, and so on and so on. <sighs> yeah. It, That's another 2000s thing, isn't it? That super long healing period. Yeah. Uh, so hell, you had better game, hope you have someone who's like, oh, I'm in Verdant and I have the ability to heal you supernaturally. Yeah. Because boy, otherwise it sucks ass. But in this game, dying is like a four-step process. Yeah. You have to like check to see if you can die. It's I do at least like that you don't have a lot of the same death spiral stuff that you do in say a white wolf thing where it's like oh i've taken x amount of damage and now everything is minus two dice and i suck ass mm -hmm. and i'm just gonna die faster yeah while having a, an attribute wounded does suck you can at least pick which one and pick the one that doesn't matter to your character at first yeah if you're like oh i'm all about firearms which uses mental intelligence or intelligence yeah you can be like oh i'll damage my dexterity or strength or whatever who gives a fuck mm -hmm. because i'm just shooting a guy and even if you're you do damage your intelligence you're like all right i'll take some ego damage not much does ego damage unless it's supernatural or you're a huge asshole about it yeah <laughs> there's if you get real good on intimidation and stuff like that you can damage ego but for the most part your ego is like a buffer for wound damage. That's pretty much the major point of it, yes. It's, Good God. It's so complicated. Everything in here is so complicated. I, 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 uh, it, it really feels very early 2000s. You were absolutely right in the first place. Yep. The attacking with stuff. You get two things you can do per combat round. Yeah. Uh, one of them is move your speed in meters, and your speed is calculated off your dexterity. And the yeah, you, you make got an attack. You got a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, if you're making an attack, weapons have a weapon rating, mm -hmm. which is basically this adds to your roll, whatever your accuracy on that thing would be. Mm -hmm. They then have a strength, which adds to the damage you would deal. Uh, damage is calculated at two per characteristic you used on the attack. Yes. So the more accurate you are because you threw more characteristics in and got more dice, also the more damaging you are. Yes. And I don't believe that's calculated by dice, but rather by characteristics. So if you can that's what I said. Yeah. No, no, I wasn't arguing with you. I was just confirming that since it's calculated by characteristic and not and not uh, number of dice, that means you could, if you could conceivably find a way to argue your way into being like, yeah, I applied 12 characteristics to that. It does 24 damage. Yeah. Which... Seems like, God, that's fucked up. You're like, yeah, but the weapon Energy strength cost, yeah. of a sniper rifle is 20 anyway. Yes. So <laughs> you may as well just be like, oh, if I can hit you, this has a weapon rating of 20 and a strength of 20, so I might as well not even give a fuck because that's going to be better than what I'm rolling anyway. <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right. 
you can also just shoot someone or attack someone, not with an intent to, to hurt them in any way, but just to crack their armor open so that your next attack doesn't have to pay attention to their armor rating. Oh, yeah, because there's, like, aimed shots so you can get better accuracy. There's the armor cracking. There's a bunch of little tricks you can do in combat. Yeah, there's a lot of little, there's a lot of little mechanics. It's well thought out, but it's, it's complex. Like, for example, going prone increases your defense rating by one for every meter away your attackers are. But yeah. it also halves your defense against melee attackers, and it's just, everything does a lot of things. Yeah, you can, oh god, you can do like a heavy blow so that you essentially do like double damage from what you would have done, but it takes like both of your actions to do, and double the energy cost. So instead of spending like five energy for five characteristics, you spend ten energy. Now you're asking yourself at this point, we've just been going over the character design quite a long time. What do you do? There are there are like seven major factions. Are those the baronies? So baronies are just places where lucids hang out. Oh, right. Okay. That's that's what it was. They have a whole list of cities that are popular for lucids, and it really just seems like a population map. Yeah, so like, these are the cities with the most lucids in them. The, the all the biggest cities in the world. Yep. It was just like, oh, there are cities that have more lucids in them than normal. Those are cities that are big. Then there are baronies, which are like actual, just like the gated community of lucids, where yeah, instead yeah. of just being, oh, LA has a lot of lucids in it. You're like, yeah, but then there's a barony somewhere where it's literally all lucids because the book keeps going like, ooh, it's dangerous. You might be hunted for being a lucid. And I'm like, why? Yeah, and by the, who? You've, you've never collect connected the lucid thing to the sociopolitical climate of the thing. Because the, the only the, the, people that know that there are lucids are other lucids yeah. and the occasional occultist. Yeah. <laughs> like, and in the monster section on this where it's like, ooh, here's all the people you could fight, it's mostly just other lucids yes. who appear to be after you because they are assholes. Yes, pretty much. There are like these major factions that you can run afoul of. Almost all of them are just obsessed with either like boosting their own lucid dream realm. So they'll be like, oh, we're the grave guys. We're way into the grave. So we we try to up up with grave bridges and down with not grave bridges. And then there are a few others that are just like, we hate all bridges and gateways and we want to get rid of them. Or we love all bridges and gateways. But if you open two bridges in the same area, crazy shit happens. And we're always trying to do that because we're dumb. And of course, there is a barony of the Templars, because yes. what game would be complete without putting the fucking Templars <laughs> in there? Or the uh, the remaining uh, fact, the religious faction that's, because there's like a basically Southern Baptist church turned into something called the United Church of the Redeemer or something. That's that eco-terrorist church faction that tried to destroy all knowledge John mentioned earlier. Yep. Uh, but there's a faction of lucids that are worse, but loosely associated anyway. Yeah, and they drown people to see if they'll if they'll if in baptismal fonts to see if they'll elucidate into being more of them, and if they don't, then they are instead raised as child soldiers called Xiphos, who who carry around machine guns and fight for the one guy who's in charge of all of them. It, man, very it's edgy. Weird. It's too edgy for you. Now there are some weird creatures of the various realms, like you know. In the dark, there are nightmares and shades and things like that that will come and try and fuck your shit up. Mm -hmm. But, like, that's not really a, 
what am I trying to accomplish? It's weird because normally in a game like this, you usually have some sort of way to interact with the other people that would be like, oh, I'm a vampire. I'm trying to continue my vampire and hide my existence. And there's a whole setup of hierarchies and whatnot. But here, unless you're living in a barony, you can just be like, I don't know. I'm some dude in a city. What do you do? A city stuff? <laughs> yeah, it's strange. It feels like it just kind of missed that last necessary step to kind of put all this together and explain why you'd do anything and why anything would care about you. And it, I mean, there's little hints here and there of like, oh, you know, there are people out in the world that give a fuck about you for some reason and they're doing stuff. And it feels like the kind of thing where when you're writing something down and you're an expert in it mm -hmm. and you skip steps in explanation because it seems obvious to you. Yes, I think that, I think you're right there. So for them, you're like, I can kind of read in between the lines where I feel like, you know, the person who wrote this goes, oh, yeah, obviously in my mind, there are all these things you would do. And here are the people that are behind it, but didn't explain why the people who are behind it are after you or anything because it just seems like it would be self-evident yeah like there's one mention at one point one of the factions uh i think it was the church of anua or the the verdant specific faction i forget which one of the two it mentioned that they have like a kidnapping squad that will try to kidnap you if you're a beginning uh vert lucid and drag you off to indoctrination camp to try and force you to be one of them yeah so that's something that's why they're chasing you i yeah. guess but only if you're that one kind of lucid and yeah, there are a couple factions that I go, oh, that almost makes sense, because one of the things that all lucids have in common is they all dream of a perfect city where everything is in harmony and it's like a paradise and they all dream of Eden. Yes. And so there's an entire faction that's like, that isn't just a dream. We're trying to make that a reality either here or find out where it is and go there. Yes. And so they'll do whatever they can to open more gateways because they're... Because when, when more and more gateways to the Dream Realm are open, they start causing more and more chaotic effects. And they have themselves convinced that, the, that opening enough of them or getting everything open will eventually turn this world into the perfect world. Yeah, they're like, oh, once we balance... Because they're like, oh, the Eden that we dream of is balanced before between the four realms. So if we can just open all the realms here, then it'll be balanced. There is also a faction that just wants to kill all lucids. Yes. So I guess that's that's a pretty straightforward, easy bad guy. But again, it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, but the only way to tell if someone's a lucid is to have lucid sight. No, they they do. There's a lady in charge of them that's lucid who's like a super assassin. So I, yeah, I assume that there there's... are individuals that have been indoctrinated into it. But yeah. I'm like, your average guy is like, ah, I'm in the fuck lucids gang. What do you do? I don't know, probably paperwork because I'm useless in the field. Well, they mention routinely each one of the factions gets the stats for one lucid leader of that faction. And then they're random human chumpos. And every time they do the random human chumpos, they go like, look, these guys know full well that they don't have a matchsticks chance in a fucking furnace of fighting a lucid. So they'll either use hit and run tactics or team group tactics or set bombs or traps, or they'll only work with a, an allied lucid to hunt you at all. Which, having made a beginner lucid in this, oh no, they'll absolutely murder you. Yes. You have nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it's, uh, it, it, but at least they're describing it in a smart way. So I guess if you had to set that up as your bad guy team, you'd be like, yeah, there's these chumpos with machine guns and then one lucid who's in charge of them who works as a spotter. Yeah. And they go like, that guy's lucid. Get him. Get him. Yeah. Not me, though. I'm one of the good ones. <laughs> uh, and in, in, I don't know that we mentioned, in order to get gear in this, you do not have cash. 
Items have a purchase value. Yes, you have to roll for, you have to succeed at a skill roll, basically. Yeah, in the same way that you would build a die pool for anything else, Yeah, you build a die pool based on fortune, and if you have the wealth attribute, uh, or if you have contacts, maybe, or the bargaining skill, you'd make a whole thing, you'd roll, and if you can get above or at whatever the purchase value of the thing is, you can afford it. Yeah. If you buy multiple things, like... In a short period of time, the purchase value goes up every time you buy something, mm-hmm. uh, which means it's always best to buy whatever the most expensive thing is right away and then keep buying less and less expensive things as it goes up. Which happens a lot in games that try to abstract the purchase cost model. Like yeah, that was like, the exact same trick in uh, Urban Arc or D20 Modern. Yeah, you're like, I'm going to buy a car and then I'm going to buy a motorcycle. Yeah. And then, I'll buy, and then the last thing I will buy is clothes because right now it costs as much as a motorcycle. <laughs> yes. So, but the, the thing is a lot of the stuff in there that you're like, Ooh, this is real nice. I should get that. You're like, Oh yeah, but it's a purchase value of like 50 and there's no way you're getting that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and I don't, I didn't see a mechanic, but I'm sure there is one for banding your, your, uh, purchase power together. I could not find a way for like a help action. I assume you probably just go, Hey, you can use my attribute mm-hmm. in your role and then just count it as that must be it. your own thing. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, would you like to get to the favorites and least favorites? Might as well. All right. What's your favorite thing here? What's your favorite thing about Fractured Kingdom? Uh, I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> one thing I should. <laughs> Excuse me for a minute. Of course. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm pooped. (laughs) Uh, I think probably one of the things I did enjoy about this is I do like the general concept of like, oh, you have dream powers and you're a weird dream super powered person. Yeah. Like, I love superhero RPGs and this is basically a superhero RPG with a bunch of weird steps. I guess. Yeah. And... The idea of being like, ooh, I'm powered by a dream, or I'm powered by the green, or whatever. I'm like, all right, that's neat. Mm-hmm. I can get behind that. I like the general idea of that. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. That's fair. So sure. You like the general concept? Yeah, I didn't have a problem with the realms as much as you did outside of Dark and Grave being just too close. I, yeah, yeah, that's fair. So what was your favorite thing in this? <sighs> it, it is a tricky one to come up with a real favorite thing for. Uh I, I like the free-flowing... Me- Once I realized that this game basically takes the, hey, you know, sometimes you can purchase a specialty for a skill and layer it in there when you can argue it makes sense, and sometimes the game will even let you make up specialties. That's all this is. <laughs> That's it's what just a big is. pile of make it. I liked how free-flowing you could do that. You could use that to make your character whatever you want, and that they were just like, yeah, go ahead and apply it if it makes sense. Like, if you've got a background as a kelp farmer or some shit, and you can find any reason that that is helpful, layer it in there. That's the point of it. That's, oh, yeah. Yeah. There was an example where they were like, oh, I'm <laughs> looking at the entrails of a dead person. They're like, can I use my knitting background on this? Because I use knitting with patterns so I can see patterns. And he was like, yeah, fine, whatever. I mean, you got to in a situation like that, because what el- when else is that ever going to come up? Yeah. Same thing with the standing long jump. Can I use my standing long jump to jump away from the rocket? Sure, yeah, man. I, I, it's your fault for writing that down. You're not in the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, one of the sample characters in the character creation thing is like, I have the background grandma. And I'm like, 
well, I've already made the god of grandmas, <laughs> so I know how that can be used. Yeah, yeah. Mostly cookies. So I like the free flow, the free form nature of how you build skills and sometimes fo- or specialties and sometimes foci. Great. So th- that's my favorite thing. What's your least favorite thing? It's the layout. The yeah, yeah. Making a character in this is so overwhelmingly difficult. Yes, and could be easily simplified. Is yes. the main reason it's so annoying because like. Three extra pages, my man. Mm-hmm. Three extra pages, and I would have been fine with most of this. Yeah. But instead, no. It's just like, hey, man, every time you do any tree from an attribute, you got to go through the whole fucking section over and over again. Read the middle 50% of the book again. Just gather up all the ones to see if you'd like them or not. Write them all down, and then contrast and compare, and then realize that that didn't even include the specialties that aren't in there, and it's going to take you forever. Yeah, it's just an easily fixable problem, and the problem is large. Yeah. So there you go. Okay, well, since that's already taken, I'm going to take my other pet peeve from this book, which is not connecting the power source to the the uh, the storyline. Mm-hmm. There's no origin story for all of this lucid stuff is happening. There's no point at which it started. There's no reason why this game needs to be set 200 years in the future. It it, it feels like it's missing a couple of vital key elements that connect these bits to make a story. Yeah, you would think either they would go, oh, these Outer Realms have always been here. There's always always been lucids. Let me tell you about the history of them Mm -hmm. and their place in this alternate world. Or... You'd go, this is set in the future because something in the modern day caused this to happen. Yeah. But no, neither. Yeah. It'd be kind of like if Blade Runner had a guy who had pyrokinesis because a demon gave it to him. (laughs) And you'd be like, so in the future of Blade Runner, are there demons? Yeah. Is that a common thing? Sometimes they give you pyrokinesis. And does that connect to the... No, it's all still just people hunting replicants. It's just, it's just uh, you know... It's just this guy's urban, got fire demon powers. Ur- urban sprawl and you got to kill all robots. But also that guy's psychic and he has fire starting because of a demon. <laughs> it's like that. That's that's kind of the feel. Like, it feels like it's disjointed. It doesn't belong. And yet, those are the only real elements in this book. So I feel like they could have they could have done a better job to connect the two. Yeah. And We're, that might be because we haven't read all of the many side bits on the website. I'll admit, I'll admit that. Yeah. Maybe the side stories clarify everything. It could be. Could explain everything. Could be one magic perfect email out there that would solve all problems in the world. But again, but, that's one of those things like, hey, you should have put these four pages of just skill lists in here. Hey, put four pages that explains why the fuck these two things exist together. Together, specifically. Yes. So would you play this game? <sighs> I I feel like this is a game I could have been talked into playing mm. in... 2003? In about 2003. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this... Hey, this... turn off the Linkin Park for a second. I want to talk to you. Hey, man, I'm trying to listen to Headstrong by Trapped. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a game that if someone in, like, a college group came up to me and was like, hey, we're going to play fucking Fractured Kingdom, I'd go... Yeah, all right, I'll give that a go. Why the fuck not? And then you'd be like, a book from the future? Heresy! Ah! <laughs> Demons. <laughs> I'm going back to my dorm room to download things on LimeWire. <laughs> this time it won't be porn, I swear. Nope, it's definitely on purpose porn. <laughs> Shoot, it's just Green Day. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> uh, yeah, this this definitely feels like a game I would have been 
much more likely to give a chance to earlier in my life. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Character creation in this is onerous. And so I don't, that's usually a a pretty strong thing for me is. That's honestly why. Is as. As like a 20-something, I would have been like, sure, I've got an hour and a half to fuck around with this system. Yeah. But right now, I'm like, no, I'm on the precipice of death. I cannot spend that long. <laughs> no, if I have to make a character in this, I'll throw my back out and get an, get an ulcer. <laughs> I'm old. I'm too old for Fractured Kingdom is the problem. <laughs> and so is Fractured Kingdom. 2003 is too old for a 2013 game. <laughs> so that's... uh. There you go. I don't think either one of us would really want to play this. My watchword for what I will and won't play these days is based on whether or not I like the character creation mechanics. Yeah, if I enjoy creating a character and it makes me go, ooh, I can't wait to you know use all these things I just did, great. But at the end of making my character, if you go to patreon.com slash system mastery, mm-hmm. $2 level, we're making characters in the games that we review, including Fractured Kingdom. Head over there, support the show. Get yourself some more content. But as <laughs> after I make my character, it's a good deal. I was like, I don't give a fuck about this dude. I'm just angry I made him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. By the time I was done, I was like, oh, I got to go back up to the top and put a name on this pile. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, yeah, that that that's where we're at. Just just it, it takes too long to make your character and it, it's hard to get a vibe for what you're trying to accomplish while you're in the middle of trying to do it. Good character creation these days you get a real strong sense for your character about halfway through, and you're like, oh, I can't wait to play this guy. I'm getting cool ideas. Yeah. So there you have it. Uh, but yeah, please on, please do stop on by the Patreon, patreon.com slash system mastery. Support us at any level, and you'll unlock ad-free content, uh, as well as the bonus content for all the levels that you have unlocked and below. This gets you, two bucks will get you the, the system mastery bonus content and ad-free everything, so it's a great deal, and we hope to see you there. Yeah. Otherwise, check us out because we're on tour. We'll be at, e- at C2E2 in uh, on April 1st, putting on our RPG quiz show tour once again. And then after that, I think we're going to go to a thing that's professionals only. And then Gen Con, which yeah, I that's do right. not we're going want to, to FarmersOnly.com. Yes, we're going to FarmersOnly.com for the factory tour. <laughs> ah, yes, the factory that makes people you date on FarmersOnly.com. Yeah, they're not real. What'd Those aren't actual work? farmers. Yeah, there's not that many farmers. Farmers are the... the the notion of a single home farmer is a dying thing in the United States. It's for it's for people who fetishize a lifestyle that is disappearing. Yeah. The people on FarmersOnly.com were made in a factory. They don't farm. Mm-hmm. They just wear blue jeans and boots and say, I like agriculture. They've never gotten a speck of dirt on their fucking Chevy Titan, and you know it. Uh, yep, that's right. <laughs> Come at us, everyone no, I mean, that listens to this show and is on FarmersOnly.com. Total, total side derail. I know it's too late in the show to do this because people have already turned it off because we did the ad. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, the uh, I was reading an article the other day on like Jezebel or something that was like, watch out, country TikTok. All women are now saying they're coming for your man. And there was like this list of women on TikTok who were saying things like, if you ain't got a meal ready for when your man gets home, I'm going to steal him. And so on, that kind of thing, right? What? Like, Or like, Air Mattress Jenny is ready to do whatever your man wants. That's why you can't say no no matter when. And the, whoever wrote the article was taking this dead serious that I guess TikTok had suddenly become like a controversial place where women are proud of their their plan to steal uninspiring men who, who, would, who would be into this sort of thing. Oh, yes, the trad wife TikTok. Exactly. Except 
within within like three seconds of research, you'd see that every single example she listed was just someone advertising their OnlyFans page. Ah, every single one of them was just porn for the kind of person that says woke the way Telegram said stop. Huh? That's all, and, and the article writer didn't do the bare minimum research to determine that. But yeah, once you look at them, you're like, yeah, any woman who's just getting straightening her hair out so she can go sit at a rusty tractor in an old barn, she doesn't own any of that shit. She's at a fucking tour farm somewhere where she will do porn on a mattress later. Huh? Great. <laughs> no one's going to steal your dumb husband, except me. I'm going to steal your husband, and not for sex stuff. I just want a husband. I'm just going to steal him. I just keep him in my closet. Spare husbands. <laughs> I like to open them up. They're all hung up on hangers. Mm-hmm. I just sort of open them, go into the back, sift through them. Yeah. Like coats. All right. Thank you for listening. We'll see you later. You have a good one. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com.